Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Two men. Would the Bears go after Philip? The Chargers are not walking away from He's it. definitely hitting the open They're market. Walking away from their start. He will definitely be on a new team. One storied NFL franchise. In the 30s, early 30s, there are three teams that dominated the league. New York Giants, Green Bay Packers, and the Bears. Bears. Nobody could come close to us. This, this is their podcast. This is the home football. This is where it started. It's the Hogan Johns Podcast. Podcast. From WGN Radio, it's Adam Ho. You guys ready? And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Let's get this thing going. Another year in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. Back in a familiar Marriott property, the Hogan Johns Podcast. Spring Hill Suites, baby. This Marriott Complex. I... I've stayed at every single hotel here but the JW. Every Marriott in this city, I've stayed at but the JW. Yeah. I think, although I haven't been at that Capitol oh, Courtyard. I, you guys I, stayed there last year. I've stayed at the Capitol by the Courtyard. There is a new Marriott kind of down by the, what is that? Not, not the river. Is it a river? It is. Well, it's like a canal. It's a like canal. A man-made canal. Yeah, canal. Yeah, man-made over canal. by the NCAA. Yeah, there's one over there. I haven't yeah. stayed there yet. It's kind of way too far. But just in terms of the downtown ones, just the JW. Get to lower those rates, guys. Got to get them all in. Yeah, there's jacking them up for the combine. Uh, welcome in. I'm sure you care so much about where we're staying. Uh, more importantly, it's just we're in Indianapolis. It's the NFL Combine and Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace. Had their usual Tuesday conversations with the media, and we're, I don't know what the hell to make out of all this stuff, really, to be honest. It's very confusing, and um, we're trying to figure it all out. Adam Hogue and Adam Johns here with you. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Read us at WGNRadio.com, slash Bears, and The Athletic theathletic.com, the athletic app. That's also where you can get our bonus episode, and we will have another episode from Indianapolis later this week over there on The Athletic. So if you're not subscribed, you should be. Live from Radio Row. Yes, we have a spot on Radio that's how, Row. That's how big the combine's gotten. There's a Radio Row. Did now. you see the Radio Row today? I have not it's seen it yet. It's growing. Like a couple of years ago, it was just sort of like this side area that had a yeah. couple spots. It's starting to look more and more like Super Bowl radio. That's row. what they want. It's exactly what they, what they want. But you know who's taking up most of it? Teams. Teams. Yes. And they got. If I see Larry Mayer down there with his own radio show, I may go flip the table. Uh, well, a lot of it's like video and like they have backdrops and they're filming these like team oriented shows. It's the new media, man. I will flip Larry Mayer's table. You will flip Larry Mayer's <laughs> table. <laughs> that would be a sight to see. Get out of here. That would be awesome. Um, anyway, we uh, yeah, we have a spot. The Athletic has a spot on Radio yes. Row. So we'll, we'll flip that table. We'll flip that table. and uh, We have some interviews coming up later this week, and you can subscribe if you're not subscribed. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You get 40% off. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You could sign up there and uh, get a great deal and get that bonus episode uh, every week from us. All right. So, Ryan Pace talked first today. Let's start there. Takeaways. Not surprised one bit that he did not say one thing at all. <laughs> okay. Like. Yes, we're going to parse through his words. We're going to analyze it, read the tea leaves and whatnot. But I think some people were, I don't know. What did you make of his Mitch Trubisky stuff? There just really wasn't much there that was too tangible for me to, to run away with. And even what he said about, to be clear, I, I believe in, in Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, it's fine. Well, so... No, well, like, I thought that that, and we're going to play this in a second. I thought that that was a, another very firm commitment to Mitch. And 
that really stuck in my head, I think, the rest of the press conference. Because when we got away, and I just wanted to fire off one tweet at the end, I tweeted, well, the headline from Ryan Pace's press conference is another strong commitment to Mitchell Trubisky. He didn't really leave any wiggle room. The belief is still there. See, I would disagree with you, but yeah, well, you're not the only one. I I disagree with me. <laughs> you, you corrected yourself. No, I, well, I still should probably correct it on Twitter, maybe. But um, I when I went back and listened to the whole press conference again to pull some stuff for this podcast, the more and more I listened to it, I'm like, well, there was definitely the part of my tweet that I disagree with is there was wiggle room. Yes, there were, there was a significant amount of wiggle room. The rest of it, I think, is. Just kind of reporting what he said. He did give another firm commitment to Mitchell Trubisky. Yes. He expressed and, some faith. And I, the belief is still there to a point. But I think the one part of my tweet I disagree with is that there was wiggle room. In fact, someone else came to, up to me hours later and was like, uh, wiggle this. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Whoa, whoa. Careful. Hey, now. <laughs> Careful. No, that didn't, that didn't happen. But, you know, there's plenty of time later tonight in Indianapolis. Uh, good luck, um, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, uh, someone from the media came up to me. Okay. And he'll listen to this and know who he is. Came up to me and was like, uh, I was going to respond to you on Twitter, but I'm deciding to do this in person. But I disagree with your tweet from earlier. <laughs> so you're not the only one. And So take that wiggle about it. There's at least 56 responses on Twitter of people who probably disagree with me too. Whatever. It's all fun. Yeah. Don't read them. Don't worry about so it. So your response. <sighs> so... I, I had one. I, I, how should I articulate this? I'm trying to wrap my mind around the word competition and what it means to him. The, it, it's become a cliche to use the word competition. Ryan Pace uses it, has used it since he arrived here. Phil Emery used it. Coaches use it all the time. They want competition. They want the best competition. But, but with the quarterback, there never really is a true competition. Never, ever did not exist for Mr. Trubisky in the first two years of the Matt Nagy era. Did not. This openness to competition, the, the use of the word competition, is very notable for me because the quarterback is not like the other positions. Not whatsoever. It's just different. Do you think they say the same thing about Drew Brees in New Orleans? No. Or Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City? With Deshaun Watson in, in Houston, Tom Brady in New England, of course not. No, it's the one position where you want to have a clear cut start. Yes, and if you don't, you have a problem. Yes, you have a competition. This is where the Bears are. They need to push Mitch Trubisky. Whether that's a challenge to, to watch more film in the off season, because apparently he wasn't doing enough last year. And this challenge with competition. This is where they are with Mitch Trubisky after he took a step back in 2019. So the word competition, I'm going to write about this uh, probably to, about tomorrow. I, I've become almost obsessed with it like they want him to obsess over the film. It's just different. It needs to be viewed as different when it's used with the quarterback. And I got the sense that Matt Nagy admitted that it will be different. And it was Kevin Fishbane that I thought asked a good question to Matt because we we heard Ryan talk about competition, we heard Matt talk about competition, but neither of them were really saying like we're going to have an open quarterback competition. That's different. And Kevin asked a question like, okay, but to be clear, like the last two years, Chase Daniel really wasn't competing for the job. No, he signed knowing what his role and, was. He uh, basically called him a coach today. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of what he was. Yes, but it sounded like. They're both hinting at they would like... They're being very delicate about it. They would like to have more competition, but they're also being very delicate not to call it an open competition like Mitch's job is on the line. Okay. It's fair. So why do you think well, they're, they're doing that? Why do you think they're they, doing that? Because they don't know who they're going to bring in. Yeah. They don't. They don't know if they if they could sign Marcus Mariota. He's got the same agents as Mitch. Think they want that? Only if it's his best offer. But Mariota wouldn't... He's competition. He's competition, but Teddy I, Bridgewater is competition. See, to me, Teddy Bridgewater, and I noticed, I noticed, noted this reading your column the other day about if Ryan Pace is willing to move on for Mitch. Great piece on the Athletic. Ding 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 ding. Um, 
That was the one exception. You gave like a list of quarterbacks that yeah. would be comp. Uh, Bridgewater, I said even Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater, keyword even. I know, but Bridgewater to me is no. He's the new starter. Starter. If you're gonna, because he's gonna cost a lot. Of because money. that's well, that's the difference. Yeah. I don't think he should. He's gonna get more than those other guys. Yes. And to me, dude, the guy went five and zero last year, filling in for Breeze, including beating the Bears. To me, you sign Bridgewater, he's the new quarterback. Okay. How much would you pay a guy like that? And, and that's just something to struggle with. The guy hasn't been a full-time starting quarterback since, what, 2015, 2016? But if you're going to go, like, 20-plus million for a quarterback at this point, like, I feel like you also got to get Mitch out. Yes, yes. But the nine-whatever million he gets this year is guaranteed. The only way to move him is to trade him. And who's going to trade for him? You can always find a partner. First-round first picks get a lot of second chances. They do. I mean, Alex Smith has been traded twice. Sam yeah. Bradford's been traded twice. Carson Palmer's been traded twice. Mitch Trubisky will have a second life in the NFL if the Bears want to move on from him. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'm underrating Teddy Bridgewater because he, you know, he was playing for a pretty loaded team, and some of those there was a lot of dump offs, and you know, just I, I don't know. I wasn't overly impressed, especially with the Bears win because you know Mitch Trubisky was so bad in that game. But okay, okay, but it, to me, it's the contract there. Like, he's going to get paid by somebody. Yeah. I don't know if the Bears have the stomach for it, to be honest with you. That's why... Um, I guess that's why... this. Not that he's not worth it, but, like, there's there's unknowns attached to it. A lot of unknowns attached to it. Well, okay, that quickly, let's get to the fifth-year option then. Okay. Because... My take on the fifth-year option, at least today, <laughs> is... I think This people, may change later. I think people are too caught up in the fact that the Bears haven't picked that up yet. Okay, I do think that's fair. Okay, because let me give you a couple differences, and I bet you Ryan Pace would probably admit that he somewhat regrets committing to Leonard Floyd the way he did last year, just because of how it's being compared to this year. Yes. Okay. Here's some differences between last year and saying we're going to pick up Leonard Floyd's fifth-year option when he did so so early. Um, one difference is Leonard Floyd's not a quarterback. The money is a, almost half of what Mitch is probably going to get, which is almost like $25 million next year under, under the fifth-year option. It's a lot of money for a guy that you are got questions about. Right, which is another fair point here. The fact that we're even talking about the fifth-year option means that he hasn't been playing well enough. Yes, that's the because point. they're yeah. not talking about a fifth-year option in Kansas City. Right? No, they're, they're talking, talking about, about an extension. A, not just an extension. <laughs> like an earth-shattering, <laughs> groundbreaking, you know, you know, pocket-busting, whatever you want to use yeah. there. Like some amazing extension that Patrick Mahomes is going to receive that is just some unworldly amount that has never been seen before in the NFL. Yeah. That's their discussion in Kansas City. Us in Chicago, who are here in Indianapolis, are obsessed over the fifth year option and semantics of it. But I'm talk so I want to talk more about the timing of it. Um So beyond the fact that it's not a quarterback, so the money's a lot more. Also, last year, Leonard Floyd did not have surgery, which is a variable. I realize it's not Mitch's throwing shoulder, but it is something he's recovering from. And you don't know if there's And gonna... let's be honest, it did impact his play. Yeah, which Pace kind of finally admitted today a little bit, especially with decision-making type stuff. But there's a surgery here. You also have the craziest quarterback free agency class that we've probably ever seen and a ton of moving variables here that may or may not affect the Bears. Yeah. But before you commit a possible $25 million to a guy that still needs to prove himself, wouldn't you wait to see how that all plays yeah. out? Like, yeah. Because who knows? Maybe it somehow will affect you in a way you're not even planning for. I guess my point is... Well, you have to plan for it just because you don't know. Like, you have to try to plan for it. My point is... You have till May to pick up this option. It really doesn't make sense to commit to it now, no matter what. Like, taking aside everything else, just you have the surgery, you have this free agency period coming up with all these quarterbacks. Because everyone's response is, okay, yeah, Ryan Pace gave a commitment, another verbal commitment to Mitch today, but actions in picking up the fifth year option yeah. would speak way louder. And my my response to that though is like, oh, and the CBA right now is up in the air, which probably 
Well, in fact, actually, one thing I did learn, it will not affect the 2017 draft no. class. The fifth-year option with the new CBA. But that doesn't mean it doesn't affect cap space and certain other variables that you don't know yet. Notice, it, to my knowledge, unless I'm missing something, I don't think the team has picked up a fifth-year option at this point on any player No, from the 2017 class, draft class. So I'm just saying I wouldn't read too much into that right now on the timing of them not having not committed to right, the fifth right, year. Right, right, right. Well, Pace hinted at, well, he, what word do you want to use? Indicated he accepted the reality that he has to be prepared for the dominoes. Starts with Tom Brady. If Tom Brady signs, this, this is the Derek Carr situation I've been ranting and raving about for, and writing about for the past few weeks now. Is if the Raiders, because John Cruden just happens to be a bit unpredictable, wants to sign a veteran quarterback, what happens to Derek Carr? I know what Mike Mayak said today. What did he say today? <laughs> he was, he said rumors are rumors, but he also had some type of. See if I can find it. You start talking, I'll find okay. a quote. Okay. Let's do this. Let's do this. Um, Ryan Pace asks about the fifth year option and executing that fifth year option on um, Mitchell Trubisky. Here's here's what he had to say. Yeah, really for for us, that's not that decision isn't triggered until May. So right now, our focus is on free agency and the combine. What what factors go into deciding that as you go forward towards May? Um, it's it you know it's just, it, we're just you know everything's internal as we think through that process and as this whole thing comes together and again we'll make that decision in May. Does the proposed CBA affect that at all, or would that only be for new contracts? No, it doesn't affect that decision. Do you understand how waiting to make a decision on the fifth year option could create some doubt about the team's commitment to Mitch? Yeah, I, you know I don't think it's uncommon, Brad, and I think it's just those are things that just we'll just keep inside and internal with us and and uh, you know again it's we have uh, more pressing needs right now for us and again that's not the trigger date isn't until May so we have time on that. So that's what I'm talking about. I think it's a completely fair question from Brad Biggs because yep. it obviously is creating doubt about the team's commitment. But I'm also going to back up Ryan Pace there and that with everything going on that I just explained, regardless of where Mitch is in his development or whatever, like it, it this is a unique offseason. Yeah. And yeah. to me, it would be silly to execute any fifth-year option on any player at this point until they know more about what's going on. We would not be talking about the fifth-year option if he played well. True. We'd be talking about a potential extension. Like they're having... like, But they also wouldn't be extending... I guess that's sort of my point. Even if he was playing better and we were talking about an extension, I don't think they'd be getting that done right now. No, no, no. But because be, of all the, the moving variables with yeah. the CBA, but, but it'd still be part of the process. It'd still be part of the process. It, it really would be. Like today... Ryan Pace said he's, he wants to re-sign. He essentially wants to re-sign Allen Robinson. Yeah. Like, he was very clear about that. There's just a lot of gray, a lot of muddiness to this quarterback thing. So, here here's the quote I got from, from Mike, Mike Mayock, and it's on Adam Schefter's um, Twitter account. Derek, This is Mike Mayock on Derek Carr. Derek played at a high level last season. I'm very happy with Derek. But as I've said before, we will evaluate every position on our roster. And if there's a chance to upgrade, we will look into that. That's pretty much opening the door. Yes. Yes. And and it's long been rumored that John Gruden wants his own quarterback to groom. So if it's not Tom Brady, by the way, and here's the thing about Tom. I I still don't see him leaving the Patriots, but yeah, sorry, go on. I don't either, but... I also don't necessarily think that signing Tom Brady is the best move for the Raiders. I feel like that's just sort of almost a gimmick to get people excited about football in Vegas. Yeah, but that's a, a that's, market, a, that's a business decision it, right it, there. Exactly. Honestly, what I could see Gruden wanting to do more is he's got two first-round picks moving up yeah. and getting somebody. Getting, or, guy. getting one of these rookies, which would also immediate if it didn't immediately... The difference with that is that wouldn't necessarily kick their car out the door immediately. Yeah, but it signing could, Tom Brady would. But it could ask. It could. It could. What's the way to put this? It, it could make Derek Carr want to be traded. Yeah. Like he could go. Like you, you draft. You draft Love or you draft Herbert. You think Derek Carr's going to want to be there? No. 
He's going to move on too. But th- those are the type of dominoes that Ryan Pace indicated that he is prepared for or started to prepare for or is getting more information on here at the Combine. It's a lot of moving pieces. It's a lot of rumors. It is what it is. It's that time of year, but you have to be prepared for everything. You can't – like if you're Ryan Pace and you're here on Thursday and Mike Mayock happens to bump into you at St. Elmo's, hey – what do you think about this? You have to be prepared to have that dialogue. You've had to have a dialogue with your staff members yeah. about how you feel as a team about a player like Derek Carr if this conversation happens to come into existence. All right, so we heard what Pace had to say about the fifth-year option. Here's what he had to say about the idea of competition for Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, and I, and I say competition. I mean, the best teams we've been a part of, there's competition everywhere. So that could be at the corner and safety and outside linebacker and quarterback. And that's all things we're looking at. Um, and, and, and we'll see. We're sorting through it. You know, there's a lot of different avenues to improve our team, whether it's free agency or the draft. And that includes that position. And, and, and we'll see going forward. What would be some of the highlights in terms of traits you're looking for in a, in a second quarterback? I mean, it's the things we value in every quarterback. Nothing would be different than what we look for in a quarterback. Do you need to be kind of transparent at all with Mitch as you go through that process? Um, we're pretty transparent with all our players as we go through this. And, look, you know, our, our players, they know the best what's best for the team. You know, and what's best for the team is in creating competition everywhere, and that's our goal. With that, with that competition, would you be willing to have somebody who could compete for that starting spot? Quarterback. I think that's what every throughout our team. That's what we want. You know, everybody's fighting for starting jobs, and, and and that's what we want to create. So at the end of the season, we heard him say, "Mitch is our starter." Like that was an actual quote, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now they're talking about sounding open to competition without calling it an open competition, yes. which I guess you can't do because they haven't actually added a quarterback yet. Right. There's no one to compete with them right now. And for those people that. I want to point out, well, if they're really that committed, they'd pick up the fifth-year option, fine. You know, I, I still stand by everything I just said with that, but okay, fine. But then you have this, and I'm going to leave in the question from Jeff Dickerson on specifically the way he asked this question. Here you go. And you made the commitment. Just to be clear, I mean, a couple months ago we talked, you know, you were committed to Mitch being the guy in 2020. You guys have had a couple months now to meet. New coaching staff has come in. Is that still the commitment guys that he's going to be the guy? To be clear, yes, it is. We believe in Mitch. Uh, you know, Mitch knows he needs to be better. We need to be better around him, and, and that's our goal. You've now twice since the season had it pretty strongly committed to Mitch Trubisky. When someone naturally goes, why so? Why is that belief still so strong? What's your response to that? Yeah, we believe in We believe in the player. We believe in the person. We believe in the trajectory that he's on. Uh, we believe we need to be better around him, you know, and uh, and that's what this time of year is all about, you know, and that's that's through things we're doing with coaches, things we're doing with scheme, things we're doing with personnel we're adding, and then his growth as a young player. They all grow at different rates, uh, and it's just uh, projecting his growth. Brian, yeah, what do you commit. think are Mitch's strengths as a quarterback? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, he's, he's accurate, he's athletic, um, he can process um, his work ethic, uh, how he is as a teammate. Those are all things that come to mind. That that last it, it answer was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because well, I don't know that I just I think he went back to his old draft evaluation there. I believe, but because what what's interesting about him saying he can process was Negi then does a whole press conference talking about how he needs to improve processing processing the field and. Pace even talked about that in his press conference yeah, so, too so, earlier. So I don't know. So it's, I mean, that's a good example of not to make too much out of what we're actually hearing, especially in, in lying season, which is what we're right, in the, right now. The messages are conflicting. Yes, yes. But he could still express belief in his player while also accepting that he needs to, this player to be better and also accepting, and if he doesn't get better, I need to have somebody here who could make up for his shortcomings. The Bears didn't have that last year. And you know what? Better yet, if those shortcomings can be fixed by someone actually being here to compete with them so he feels threatened, then that's even better. It's even better. I don't know who that player is. I don't know if that player really exists at the financial point that the Bears want to hit. But it will be explored. Is it fair to put it like this? The Bears are open to the possibility of improving at the quarterback position, but they haven't fully committed. They haven't fully given up on Mitchell Trubisky. Yes, yes, yes. 
It's a layered conversation. So, which is why you kind of have to be so careful in how you're talking about it. And naturally, some of the comments are going to conflict with each other. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be... It's, of course, it's going to take on a life of its own. It's, it's Chicago. It's, it's, a, it's a quarterback who is as polarizing, or maybe not quite yet, but polarizing, just like Jay Cutler was in a sense. Mm-hmm. Whatever they said today wasn't going to uh, appeal to the masses. I want to move on to, to something Nagy said that I think is very encouraging. But Before we do this, I want to give... Uh, uh, I ran into David Edelman the other day, who is a basketball coach for Play Hard Hoops up in the northern suburbs. I ran into him at the gym. And, you know, just kind of talking. Shooting the breeze. Yeah, about football, which often happens when I run into people at the gym. Um, it's natural in our hey, profession. Aren't you that whole guy from the Johnson Hulk podcast? <laughs> Like that, I told him. He should, <laughs> I told him he should come on the podcast. The reason I'm bringing this up is because he did such a good job, and I'm giving him a shout out for this of like making his argument to me in the gym. That I'm like, I wish I was recording this so I could replay it because you're doing a better job than I have. In and here's what he said with Mitchell Trubisky. He's like, if you have three levels of quarterbacks, so level one is like franchise guy living up to the draft hype. Clearly the guy. The special guys. Right. Then level three at the bottom is, okay, he's a bust. You got to move on. But level two is where a lot of quarterbacks end up, probably the majority of them, where they're sort of in the middle. You can often win with them, but you got to have everything around them perfect. The Jay Cutler level. Kind of. Which is why so many years we had these conversations about, well, this isn't perfect. He needs a different offense. He needs a different coordinator. His offensive line sucks. you got to upgrade the offensive line. You know, there's all these problems, and they can never get it all in sync. He's he, What he said to me was, too many people right now have gone straight from level one, because that was the expectation where you trade up to draft a guy at number two, straight to number three. And there's way too many people that are just leaping over the second level. Which, if you consider this, again, this is his words, not mine. His offensive line was bad last year. They had no running game. His wide receivers led the league in drops, and they didn't have a tight end. What quarterback would succeed? Which is similar to what Kyle Long said a couple weeks ago when we talked about this. When Kyle said that there's not a quarterback that would have had success right. last year. And on top of it, Mitch had a bum shoulder and it was clearly affecting his decision making. So when you look at it like that, the point is if they can upgrade the personnel, which is Ryan said is his job, and they can make changes to the scheme, which about which we're about to get to, to make it more friendly to Mitchell Trubisky. I'm still in the camp that believes Mitch Trubisky can be in that level too. Yeah. Where they can win with him and you have a good defense and all the things around him are are good enough to win with and be a successful team. I don't know if you go on the win that makes it dicey to go ahead and win the Super Bowl like Patrick Mahomes just did with the with the Chiefs, but But he is an amazing situation. Right. Just in terms of talking about things around the guy. Right, but also they didn't have a perfect defense by any means, and yeah. they still won the Super Bowl yeah. without that because the quarterback can raise you know the bar, the bar. The bar. Which I, I guess the point is, you know, shout out to David Adelson. He said this uh, to me; it makes perfect sense. Like, I don't. I think if you're in the camp, look, the, a level one, the ship has sailed pretty much. I think we're all in that. I think the Bears are in that. Yeah, I yeah. think they're willing to accept that right now with everything we talked about, and that they're looking for other options. But if you're just totally giving up on him at this point, I think that's wrong. Yeah, I also yeah. think that's wrong. Here's another point about that. All the guys that we have discussed already in this part podcast, Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota. Okay, maybe Marcus Mariota is flirting with the third level. Those guys are in that second level. They are. Yep. That first level is small. What is it, Mahomes? I, I, I don't even know if I put Brady in there right Anymore, now. Anymore, yeah, I, it, I agree. He's Look at his past two years. There's signs of regression. 
He's going to be 43 next season. Yeah. Eventually, Father Time is going to catch up to him. It will. It will. Philip Rivers, same way. He's hey. probably squarely in, in, in the second tier. Even most of the top guys are almost like fringe level one, level two guys. Like yeah. I'd say Carson Wentz. Like he kind of fluctuates between Back and the forth, two. yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's what? Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees? I guess that's my point, though. Are we all getting in too big of a hurry to talk about which other level two guy can come in here when yeah. Mitch can still be... like? Mitch can still be Derek Carr. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I think we all... I've been of the opinion from the outset that Trubisky is going to take time. It's the the level of play of Mahomes and Watson that have changed this conversation. But is Watson even really a level one guy? No, he's not. I I, I don't think he is. Yeah, I I really don't. Sometimes he is. Yes, yes, sometimes he is. But sometimes he takes a lot of hits and throws some ugly balls. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is a level one guy. He just, that's, look, everybody wants that. Everybody yes. wants to have Mahomes, and it hurts extra because the Bears could have. Yes, yes. I mean, but who was level one? Let, let's talk it's about not, Yeah, Lamar Jackson was for this past year. Yeah. I'm not sure he's going to be forever. Yeah. He sure looks pretty damn good. Yeah. But teams will make adjustments. I, just like Mahomes. I want to see Mahomes. He had a shorter playoff run than he wanted. So... We we can all be in a hurry to replace Mitch. Yeah. But like you just said, the replacement's likely going to be a level two guy. Yes. So when you really sit back and consider all the obstacles that Trubisky had against him last year that I just rattled off, I'm not so sure that, you know, this year you you might have Derek Carr anyway. Yeah, like that. Now, Derek. Now, trading for Derek Carr might be safer because you know he's Derek Carr and he's done it over a long period of time. Where Trubisky is obviously still a question mark. So maybe that's a move you want to make, especially because Carr. If you trade for him, you get him for three years. Yeah. And actually, as I pointed out before, his money going forward is cheaper than like that fifth year option would even be for Mitch next year. Yeah. Yeah. So those are all variables here that to consider. I just some people I. That's part of why all this is so nuanced and why Ryan Pace has to talk the way he did today. Yeah. Which, in all honesty, wasn't that convincing. No. Is that fair? That's fine. That's fine. Because I think there's a lot of variables. Yeah. And you know he's like, he gets the question, he's thinking of the right answer in his head. Well, he may have some different intentions going in his head, and it's a very delicate thing. Very delicate thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who... Like the, the quarterback market, as rare as it is, and rare as we use the, is the word Ryan Pace used because of some of these top end guys. But we don't, we're not sure what you're getting if you if you take a Tom Brady out of New England. Is he gonna be the same quarterback as Chicago? No, no. But Tom Brady wasn't even that good again in 2019. So yeah. a lot of things to consider here. Um, I just can't wrap my mind around what type of competition the Bears can get right now for the right price that they want. And whether or not that quarterback is actually good enough to beat out Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So let's get back to ways in which the Bears can help Mitch. So now let's assume Mitch is the guy. Okay. And the improvements that can be made around him in personnel. But in Matt Nagy's camp right now, I teased this earlier. There's something specific he was talking about today that I thought was incredibly encouraging. And that was his willingness to adapt the offense. Now, you could throw right back at me that he talked a lot about that during the season and trying to find out their identity and different things they can do and the actions in the game more times than not went away. They kept the magnet kept pulling him back to his bread and butter and what yeah. he wants to do, which, as I've said so many times, I don't think fits Trubisky's strengths. Yeah. And puts way too much pressure on his weaknesses, quite frankly. But let's let's do this. Let's um, let's play Nagy and some and a lot of this is on the coaching changes that have been made. 
and how that can all tie into making changes to the offense. And then I'm going to tell you why I actually believe him and that this isn't just talk. So here is it starts with the coaching changes that have been made. And then the questions are going to be a little bit harder to hear because of the setup here at the combine. But just listen to Nagy and his answers here, and I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. You know, you see a lot of these teams that are moving into these different types of positions with coordinator roles and and uh, and expanding in some of that. For us, we're still kind of working through that. The, the one thing that I really like is, um, you know, people say, "Is there too many too many cooks in the kitchen?" and all that. I couldn't disagree with that more. I think that for us, there's a lot of great ideas. For me, as a head coach, what what I'm trying to do is is um, uh, I want to become the best possible head coach I can be. And by doing that, having guys around me that I can delegate and give things to um, is important. So whether it's uh, – it's, we don't have the the, uh, the run game coordinator title, but we have guys in Juan Castillo. Clancy Barone has a great background in that. Bill Lazor can oversee really everything. So, um, you know, we're all having great ideas. John DiFilippo is a coordinator. So I'm just trying to use all of those and balance how that works together. But – I'm, I'm doing a lot of listening, and 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 um, I think now's the time to do that so we can collaborate, figure out what went wrong last year, and let's fix it. Let's be about solutions. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be I'll be calling the plays, uh, and we do have a lot of guys that, that have called plays, and and so for me, y'all don't get to see it because you're you're not in the meetings with us, but a lot of times we'll talk through, you know, why would you make this call or that call, and that's growth in myself too as a as a play caller. I learned a lot last year in in so many different ways on and off the field as a head coach. I learned a lot as a play caller with players, how they work, um, with scheme, with coaches, and so I, I'm uh, I'm at a point right now after two years in this role where I'm just so fired up and excited. I'm, I feel rejuvenated and I, and I feel I, I'm, I'm uh, refreshed in a lot of different ways and, and really just taking on a lot of thoughts. Yeah, well, we're doing that now in the off season with the blend, so taking different ideas. We're, we're, we're thick in the matter of fact, and you know, we're, we're getting together here in a few hours to, to, to even get at it more. So, um, scheme wise, what do we do well last year um, as a team offensively? We know we struggled in a lot of different areas, but we're about fixing it. Okay, if we're okay with what we did last year, then we're in the wrong place, and we're not. So we gotta we gotta fix things. And so, uh, how do we do that? Well, we get good minds together that talk it through. We're real with each other. This wasn't a good play. This wasn't about the players. This was about the coaches, right? And and when you can do that and show accountability, then you continue to build that trust. And so our goal is to be a lot better offensively. And if that's less is more, then great. And whatever that is, we'll work through that the whole way to training camp. But with all those coaches. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever we need to do, um, you, you want to do that. And so now that I've had uh, two years with this personnel and kind of building it and knowing who we are, it's so much easier to watch Schemi Val and know what this guy does well, that guy, his weaknesses and his strengths. And so now with that, it's not fair to force them into something that, that, that I do. Uh, now, if you can get some of it that, that you do well, let's, let's keep it going. But this is, um, this is a clean slate, and we want to make sure that we give everybody the best opportunity so the three questions in there, um, one was you, you hired a couple guys that have play calling experience, Bill Lazor, John Filippo. Will you retain the play calling duties? He said yes, but clearly also made it sound like he's willing to give the, you know, he's looking forward to delegating a little bit more this year. The other question was just, so you're going to get all these ideas from all these different coaches. How is it all going to work blending it together? That was the other answer. And then the last question was... Are you open to adapting your scheme to you know better fit your personnel? And I thought that was a very resounding, clear yes. Yes, yes. And if you want to come back and say, "Oh well, it's all talk. Let's wait till see him actually you know call plays differently, or let let's you know let's see what it looks like." When, that's fair. Except I would say that there have been actions here. Like you went, you changed your coaching staff, and you went out and hired. Not only did you hire Bill Lazor and John Filippo, who have experience as offensive coordinators, who are accepted jobs here knowing they wouldn't be calling the plays, there has to be a commitment for them to take those jobs that they're going to get responsibility. And on top of that, you also promoted Dave Ragone to a passing game coordinator, which changed your structure of the coaching staff. So my point is, there actually has already been a willingness to change here. And 
that sounded like a coach when he's talking about, I'm doing a lot of listening right now, and I'm rejuvenated, and I'm looking forward to delegating more. That sounds like a coach to me who's committed to looking at the mistakes that he made last year. Yeah, yeah. And getting them fixed. Like had a big piece of humble pie and enjoyed it a little bit. I'm still of the belief, though. Like some of the stuff, he's not just going to completely rip up what he has. There's another part of the conversation with Matt Nagy where he talked about the the uh, the, the evolution or the the how Andy Reid has evolved from what he was in Philadelphia till now, where he used to run the true West Coast system, and now he's running a variation of it, and how that's changed from quarterback to quarterback to quarterback, and with various personnel, going from Donovan McNabb to Mike Vick to Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, prompts change. Matt Nagy is still figuring out Mitch Trubisky. But again, I'm still of the belief, and we talked about this at length last year, like he would call plays. That worked. It all worked for everybody. But one person. The the line blocked. The receivers ran the right routes. The receivers got open. And the quarterback missed the throw. Now that prompts change. I understand that. I think he was having a difficult time removing some of those things that the quarterback could not do from the playbook clash. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and again, the, the run games, there's an obsession with it, and I understand it. But he called passing plays that worked, and probably worked in practice. But in real life, in real time, in a real game, the quarterback did not make the play. Well, the bottom line is that despite all the fair excuses we brought up earlier, and not having a running game, and not having a tight end, and a bad offensive line, and leading the league in drops, like you just said, it still comes back to the quarterback to some extent because he wasn't what they thought they had at the beginning of the year. Right. And the re- the biggest thing to me that tells us, and, and I think part of this, they need to take responsibility for their own evaluation of the quarterback. Yeah. Um, if, if they had any doubt whatsoever about what he was truly going to be in 2019, they would have played him more in the preseason. Yeah. They would have gotten him more reps. Yeah. They were so convinced that Trubisky was going to take that leap that he barely played in the... He didn't play in the preseason. No. Not one step. So, it's part miscalculation, but also... A large part of it is just the quarterback didn't make the leap. And yeah, yeah. I, at some point, got to be on the player, too. Right. So I think during the year, didn't you ask about the possibility of, of adaptation during the year of an offense? Well, and and that's where we kind of learned that, yes. I, and I think that that's another example of that caught them so off guard. Mitch's lack of a jump caught them so off guard, they weren't really prepared for plan B. Yeah. And... I, yeah, I brought that up to Nagy in the middle of the year, and maybe that wasn't the exact moment he said, I didn't come here to run the I-formation, but that was all part of the conversation. Yeah, And I think our response, even in the middle of the season, was like, all right, fine, but next year, you better practice that stuff in training. Like it, There's only so much install you can do in the middle of the season of things you weren't prepared to run. Yeah. And that's fair. But that's I what I this comes back full circle to what I just played here with Nagy. This offseason, this OTAs, this training camp, they need to have that all out there and have it part of their offense so that it fits what the quarterback can and cannot do better. Yeah. Now they know what he can and cannot do. There's, they cannot afford to miscalculate that again in 2020. It's fine tuning it to his skill set now. It's knowing his limitations. And my question was, are they going to be willing to do that, or are they just going to go find a different quarterback that runs Matt Nagy's system better? And maybe some of that's still being sorted out, but they better be working on the scenario where Mitch is starting week one, yeah. which I still think is the most likely scenario. And they better be running things that better fit. And this process is unfolding right now, right here in Indianapolis. What did Matt Nagy say? We're going to go meet about it right now. I guarantee that's what they, they talked they about They had today. their staff meetings today. This whole schedule is throwing everything in flux. You got time to kill. Come on, guys. Go in this boardroom and find what works for Mitch Trubisky and maybe our plan B a quarterback, whatever that competition may be. There's a lot to get through. Yeah. There's a lot to get through. You're right, though. What you said about this being 
about giving up on Mitch too soon. They may not be the right way to phrase it, but the frustrations with Mitch should not overshadow the issues elsewhere on the roster. It just it just shouldn't. That offensive line is a problem. The play calling, to a certain extent, in my opinion, was a problem. The lack of a tight end is an enormous problem. You're on to something. You're, oh, maybe I may take that idea. But that <laughs> frustration with number 10 should not overshadow the shortcomings elsewhere in the roster. And I don't think it is at Hell Assault. With every hint they drop about being better around him, I, I, I think they realized just how prob- problematic. And probably they, they're dealing with more information than we have. Just how problematic those other issues were in affecting number 10. That's where I keep coming back to... It certainly makes sense to bring in a different veteran quarterback as a backup plan. That's more of a real backup plan than Chase Daniel ever was. Basically a coach, as you mentioned earlier. If he's a coach, what was Tyler Bray? Like the coach coach? Uh, Just a taller version of the coach? Yeah. <laughs> the, tall, tallest, the tallest coach. Tall guy with with a good beard, I guess. Um, and always a coffee in hand. <laughs> and I lost my train of thought. But um, <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, so that, you know, that's a no-brainer at this point. I guess that's where I'm struggling, though, to go, like, the extreme route. Like, all of a sudden you invest more draft picks in a trade for Derek Carr. Or you commit a ton of money to some Teddy Bridgewater. Are they really going to do that when they're still uh, you? If you correct the personnel, if Nagy's really uh, ready to run things that fit his quarterback better, that make the quarterback's decision making process easier, are you really going to end up with a better a quarterback that's that much better than what Trubisky still can be for you? Like I, I think that's being lost in this. I still I hear even conversations I have like here in Indy like last night and earlier today like there is this national perception that Trubisky just sucks yeah yeah and I don't agree with that I still think he has a lot of talent I think his his mobility is still extremely underrated his athleticism and that was zapped out of him this year with the shoulder injury so I don't know I just think giving up on him completely isn't necessary. Though, we right? just so. talked ourselves into another year of Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> and everybody Mitch li- and Matt 2020. And everybody listening is going, no! And everybody's just logged off. But it's all fair, and we know there's a lot to be played out. There will be some form of competition. I, I don't know who it's going to be. I really don't. I don't know if Andy Dalton could beat out Mitch Trubisky, but it's better than Chase Daniel at this point. I am encouraged by Matt Nagy's openness. I think everybody should be encouraged by Matt Nagy's openness. That was a different tune that the coach sang today at the convention center. It just it just was. It just was. I think even the most critical of us saw it as well. We'll see. Just let it play out everybody. Let it play out. Don't freak about don't freak out about over the fifth year option. Just relax. Yeah, well that is special especially for all the stuff I said earlier. Don't that's why I keep coming back to Nick Foles. Because Nick Foles is the guy that would be considered like a pretty big move. but Like he's competition. That's real competition. And a good backup. And you're not giving up. Like if you go trade for Derek Carr, you're done with Mitch yes. basically. To me, Nick Foles, he's been a career backup. But a high-level backup. So he's somebody that you can believe in. And, oh, by the way, he's worked with all these coaches yes, before that yes. are on staff. Oh, and by the way, he's got a Super Bowl ring. Exactly, and he beat you in the playoffs. But oh, it's also Cody Parker beat you in the playoffs. But, con- but he was there. Yeah, you know his contract, I believe, is only like sixteen million on the books. Yeah, well, people sure. forget that the the signing bonus money stays with stays with the Jaguars. Jaguars, yes. So it's not an outrageous amount because if you just think about a sixteen million bucks for a quarterback, it's Mike Glennon money. At least this is a guy with a Super Bowl on his resume. Yeah. And you did just free up. They, like, doubled their cap space by letting Prince of Mukamara and Taylor Gabriel go. And there's other options. Like, sort of the elephant in the room today was Leonard Floyd. Yeah. Well, there's $13 million on the table that you don't have to yeah, keep. Yeah. But you got to make a decision in a now, couple I, I, weeks. I know we got to run here, but there was something interesting that Pace said 
in his defense of Leonard Floyd today. This is the first time, you read about this on The Athletic later this week, the first time I've ever heard him refer to him as the strong side linebacker. Sam, yes. The Sam linebacker, Mm -hmm. yes. The first time. Can you recall another time? No. Not specifically. But this is the first time where he used that description to, to, to illustrate, at least in my opinion, that, hey, quit looking at him as a pass rusher. He's also a linebacker. Now, that's not what you drafted him for, but that's what, at least in this hybrid world of 3-4-4-3 defenses, they consider Leonard Floyd. And he does give you a pretty special ability to drop in coverage from that position. Yes. Um, that a lot of guys at his size don't have. But when I hear about how he plays the run well, you can find somebody at $3 million that can play the run well yeah. at that position. Yeah. Okay? So... I believe he used to go by the name of Sam Acho. Right. Sam Acho. You can find much cheaper options that can come in and play. Now, I don't know that you're going to find somebody that can also drop in coverage the way he can. Um, but I did see one projection. Like, if Leonard Floyd were to go on the open market, a projected contract was actually about $13 million per year, which is kind of what he's making. But I guess my response to that would be, well, if you're going to sign him at that for four years, though, I feel like you're overpaying for a guy yeah. who's still not giving you the pass rush production. So, I don't know. Just because another team might be willing to pay him the same money doesn't mean that you should. Correct. Especially if you can open up space to bring in, you know, a Derek Carr, Nick Foles, or something like that. Someone. Peyton so. Manning. Oh, wait. No. This next three weeks is going to be wild. Yes. Yes, it is. It really is. And we might not even have... We might not... This whole... Literally, as we're talking right now, the CBA... We could be talking about, and I mean this respectfully, the signing of a Nate Sudfeld, for all we know. (laughs) That would be... Wah, wah. He's got experience with the coaches. That'd be... Throwing it out there. To me, that's like Tyler Bray. Hmm. All right, we should get out of here. Let's go. Good stuff. Uh, More coming this week. Got some interviews lined up. Um, I don't want to give those away yet, but be ready for those interviews. They're coming. Um, We'll have another episode Thursday here from Indianapolis. And uh, more coming to you in the next couple weeks, too, as we try to bridge this gap. Plenty of speculation that's only going to continue until... You know the NFL loves this. The teams actually hate this talk. But they love it. Well, the league loves it. Fuels it. Radio Row. Larry Mayer's tail again. Flip. Flipping. We're flipping tables here on the Hogan Johns podcast. I'm going to go to Yard House. Flip a couple tables, too. Ooh. Rowdy. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Read all those things he teased at The Athletic. The Athletic app That's where you get the bonus pod later this week. If you're not subscribed, what is wrong with you? Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. 40% off. It's always there for you, and uh, it's about time you just signed up for that. Come on. My stuff. WGNRadio.com slash Bears. Haven't written anything yet here from Indy, but we'll have stuff uh, as it all gets compiled this week here for another couple days. So um, stay tuned for that. Otherwise, talk to you later in the week from Indy. See ya. Wiggle this.